Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. I really like that new intro. The old one was pretty serious. Well, that's interesting because I've thought about that too. It's you know we um, we got the San Diego Brigade guy yeah. coming up. You know we interviewed him. We're also gonna have Firefighter Fenton on the podcast, and you know I was thinking just with those guys. I mean, good dudes. I mean, that's what makes the fire service good is to be able to turn it on, turn it off. Um, I've never personally worked with the brigade guy, but I have actually spent some time, a long time ago, with the uh, firefighter Fenton, you know? Yeah. Uh, we did a burn camp together up in, like, Prescott, you know, for kids with burn injuries. That dude can make anything funny. It's awesome. I love hanging around those guys. That's when I was playing ball. That's what I loved. I loved being around the guys that could, like, that weren't so serious all the time. Yeah. That's probably people probably complain that don't know me probably complain that I'm too serious all the time. But I mean, you you could attest to that. Like, I love to laugh, yeah, as much as anybody else. I can't take this thing too seriously. Yeah, I mean, you can. It's, just, it's not as much fun. It's a long well, you career. Can't. You can't. I don't think you can. Yeah, I, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to laugh. Yeah, at some the people table. don't though, and they're the they're the assholes that nobody wants to work with. So that old intro was it was it just was too little, serious. A little hard. And we think like that sometimes. There's times when you do think like that when you get that call. But yeah, I like this. It's kind of yeah. just like, hey, it's just wake, work, and win. That's it. That's all you got to do. It's actually pretty easy. Um, speaking of easy, joining our Patreon is easy. For just a few shekels a month, you can help support the podcast. And the reason that you're seeing this uh, on YouTube or listening to it on the radio is all because of our patrons. So thank you so much for all the support. And even a new studio is coming soon. That's right. We just went and planned it out as we speak. So all of that, the the ability for us to do any of that is because of our yeah. patrons. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, all right. Standard issue. You want to go serious off the bat, or do you want to you want to go serious at the end? Let's go serious off the bat. Okay. Although uh, this is pretty much all over the place. But uh, this is happening in the Seattle area. But although COVID-19 remains in a lull, hospitals across the country are in crisis amid towering wave of seasonal respiratory illness, RSV. Pediatric beds are filling or full. People with urgent health problems are waiting hours in emergency rooms, hallways, and even parking lots. And some hospitals have pitched outdoor tents, conjuring memories of the early days of the pandemic. In the most striking examples, the emergency department in a Seattle area hospital became so overwhelmed last month that the department's charge nurse called 911 for help, telling the fire department they were drowning and in dire straits. There are reportedly over 45 people in the department's waiting room and only five nurses on staff. Central Catsip Fire and Rescue Chief Jay Christian told local media that he sent a crew to the hospital and firefighters helped hospital staff clean their rooms, change beds, take patient vital signs, uh, well, you, until the what are you crisis trying to do subsided. To me right now, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to unpack already in this. So uh, this is the last, and then we can get to it. A uh, report last month from healthcare analytics company Definitive Healthcare estimated over 300,000 healthcare providers dropped out of the workforce last year due to burnout and pandemic-related stressors. Believe it. 
I believe it. So let's start let's, from the beginning. Yeah, so let's start with first thing that I think, all right, RSV, that's going around, right? Yeah. Um, from what I've heard, it was gone for two years. Uh, and the seasonal flu is the same way. It's gone. It was gone during COVID. Correct. <laughs> okay. So. It wasn't gone. There's no way, right? I listen. I just think that we're everything. Not, let's just talk about. We're not doctors. Briefly. First of all, I so, think they were grouped in to COVID cases. Uh, all this stuff, flu. Well, I think you can look at the symptoms, and it's pretty easily. Um, they both look very similar. Correct. And so we're just yeah okay so but we won't we don't have to spend too much time on that but I personally I believe that it was probably it didn't go away for two years it was just probably grouped into the pandemic sick cases yeah I think you're right the the hospitals are getting it's getting pretty bonkers and we're we're seeing that now well and okay we're gonna jump to the end of burnout right everybody's going to the hospital for everything. If only the true cases went, you know, that needed emergency room or inpatient care, be different. But, I mean, we're we're seeing people go to the hot such and such engine and respond on a headache, right? Well, let's go that, back. That's going to burn – that burns us out, which then yeah. we transport that person because there's no other answer. So who's that burning out now? It's burning out the hospital because now they've got to spend time you know, writing paperwork on that, treating this person, treating that person. Burnout, man, of course. So can you outpace burnout with higher wages? No. I don't think so. I don't think Not so either. Rate. I mean, I looked up um, I looked up how much the average nurse makes. And I got to say, dude, a nurse in an ER has got to be up there with one of the, the jobs I would want to do least. 12-hour shifts on your feet. Just getting wrecked, right? Like crushed. They, the nurses get smoked because then it's it's like when you need time to do stuff, somebody's ringing their bell. Yeah, there isn't. I mean, you you just keep getting more patients, mm-hmm. and we get frustrated because we're with these scummy people. I'll say scummy for fifteen twenty minutes, and we get burnt out on that. They have to deal with them for hours. Well, you're and when you describe them that way, you're talking about. Knowingly abusing the system, 100%. saying the right things. Well, like okay, and telling you, you can't deny me this or that. You know, well, no, I clearly know you're not having an emergency. Yeah, but I can't say that, right? So, like, let's say it's starting to get cold, right? So now we're we're going to get a lot of the homeless people being like, "Hey, I have chest pain or I have shortness of breath," because they know for a fact that they're going to get a room. And then you can't really tell them, "Listen, dude." Like, can you just go to a shelter? Because you're just going to take up a hospital bed. There's nothing wrong with you. You can't say that. You know, you, right. have to, you have to do, you have to do follow protocol, send them in, and then now the nurses have to, to deal with that. What a weird time at the beginning of COVID when people were afraid to go to the hospital. Oh, dude. I, and a lot of them figured things out. On their own. They did. You know, I mean, it was, it was refreshing to be able to go into a house and be like listen you are better off at home and it's that's still the case yeah as a case before covid and even after covid i mean 
most of our calls, like, you know, you're honestly better off here. You're going to go to a hospital and wait around forever when you could treat yourself at home, be more comfortable. Yeah. Not incur bills to pay. One thing I thought was interesting about this story is that regardless of who you are, everyone calls the fucking fire department. I can't believe <laughs> she called 911. And it's just like, I can't hey, believe they went there and took care of that. Uh, part of it is because guess who's getting paid and getting and billing and who's making the money? The hospital is the hospital reimbursing the yeah. municipal department or the district for coming in and doing that. Part of it is like, you know what? It's we still are those people. We still are the people that anyone can call, and yeah. I think that's that's really that's True. awesome. But and I I get it. Like you have this unprecedented call that comes up or night, you know, I'm just going back to say like the theater shooting. I mean, the hospital's, you know, 70 victims. Right. That is something that easily like, okay, hey, we're going to call in rigs because they're going to come help whatever they need for this eight to 12 hour stretch. Take care of the greens or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. I get that. But this is normal stuff that happens every year, you know, November, December, like flu season starts. Yeah. But you don't have people that you can pay now that, you know, they pay nurses double time for their normal shifts. You know, travel nurses get even more. And you can't keep people, we, we can't keep people in the fire service. We can't keep people in, because healthcare is now, I mean, it's like community med checks for us, like on wheels. You know, that's, yeah. what, it, that's what it is. Well, I looked up, it says the average ER nurse makes 77 to 107,000 with top earners doing 124. It's way higher than that. I mean, with overtime pay- and stuff. Yeah, they're yeah, paying. Yeah. You know, hey, we'll we'll do another couple thousand dollars just to come in for a shift. I mean, we know charge nurses that are that are doing that, and you can't outpace what's going on with money. And I think that you know, the job thing has been politicized, where one side is saying these CEOs are making too much money. They're they're um, you know, gouging the working the working man, and then the other side is saying, "Well, these these people are just lazy." And so I think there is somewhere in the middle. So I looked up the ten highest paid CEOs in healthcare. All right, and we have Vivek Giripaldi of Clover Health, three hundred and eighty nine million dollars. So what is Clover Health? Is it a parent company for yeah. anything we know? Uh, that's a good question, man. Let me look that up, dude. That is. Unreal. The dude in second. got to be producing a lot of income for a lot of investors and being able to pay a lot of employees. Yeah, man. I mean, the next one on the list, let's see, Clover. I got to think. Are you including pharmaceutical companies in this? No, this is just CEOs of hospital groups. Okay. Damn. So Uh, do you, I got to think that there's a crisis for hiring and keeping people in your hospitals, but. I would think that CEOs and people that run these are like, hey, man, this is business. You know, like, we're doing good. As long as they as long as long they keep coming, we'll figure out how to keep turning and burning them. But, yeah, our biggest problem is trying to find people that will work for us to provide the care in the ERs, inpatient, ICU, stuff like that. But they're not going to stop coming, so we are golden. Yeah, I And mean, we're getting paid by insurance companies. But at some point, the system's going to break. Is it? Yeah. But for them, 
does it break on the streets? Does it break in their well, ERs? Oh, they're they not still gonna, are getting all the income they could ever want. They're going to be fine. Right. I'm saying it's going to break for the average person. I mean, right now, the first wave of this is you can't go where you want to go anymore. So when hospitals are too busy and you're like, hey, I want to go to this hospital because, you know, this is where I've been seen before. Now it's, hey, too bad. We got to take you to this other one that maybe you're not going to get the best care. So I think that's the first wave of this. And then soon it's going to be, listen, there is no place. There's no place to go. So we're going to sit Well, but on... they solved your first problem with these satellite ERs. Yeah, we can't take them to those for everything, though. But it it's a way for them, like, we can still make a ton of money. Let's just do satellite ERs. I mean, to put these things on the corner of busy intersections and build them is expensive. Oh, I'm not. And, and they're going to solve. They're solving that. So, event. I think they're just going to put up more clinics everywhere that are hospital affiliated. And I don't see it breaking, man. I just see it just bending and bending and bending and burnout and just revolving door. Get new people in that aren't burned out. That's what it's going to turn into. Yeah, I, I. You won't be able to get the quality of care that you did before. It's just not. That is not sustainable. So I don't think that's going to. That will break, but the the CEO. I mean, they're obviously going to keep making their money. I mean, that's not that's not going to stop. Four hundred million. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, well, what are the busiest ERs in the U.S. Do you think? Give me like your your top two. You can even just give me cities. Cook County. Great. That's a good good one. But that is not even in LA. the top ten. Parkland in Dallas, number one. Okay. With uh, two hundred and ten thousand visits a year. What does that account to per day? I'm looking up this Clover Medical, by the way. Oh, I looked it up. Oh, okay. So right. it didn't. It didn't really seem like it had any hospitals that we that we go to. So let's look up 210,000. So it says Clover Health is an American healthcare company, dude. Founded in 2014. It's eight years old, and the dude's making 400 million. They provide Medicare Advantage insurance plans and operate as a direct contract entity with the U.S. government. So they have it made. Yeah. They're basically. Government contracts. Government. Yep. Wow. So this is saying that Parkland Hospital is getting 575 emergency room visits a day. That's crazy. 24 hours. So what's that? 24 times 24. 23 people an hour. Damn, dude. So every... Three minutes. Less, every two minutes, somebody new is walking in or being brought in. Boom. Yeah. Next. Next. Uh, next. Lakeland, Florida. Then um, Grady Hospital in Atlanta. And is Lakeland, I mean, is that more retired? Probably an older elderly population, maybe. I don't know. I I don't know if that contributes to it. Everything in Florida. Know. Yeah. And then number eight, UC Health in Aurora. Number Eighth busiest hospital. I mean, we don't work there, but... Takes it's a lot close of to there. close to East Metro, yeah. With uh, one hundred and thirty-two thousand ER visits a year, it's a lot, man. I mean, yeah. I think uh, the way to stop this is, and, and I think a lot of departments are trying to dispatch community health people. You know, like, hey, I worked at a department that had a rig that had a a doctor, a psych nurse, and a police officer cruising around in a vehicle all day long. And solve people's problems. Hey, you need you. You want to go to the hospital? This is shenanigans. 
Because you need your... But it works for them because there's a doctor there who has malpractice insurance, right? Yeah. And who can definitively say, like, no, you don't need to go to the hospital. Yeah. We're stuck operating under a doctor, and it's just like, okay, they call our dispatch. Our dispatch can't say no, right? Because if something bad happens, they're on on them. So send it to suppression, send it to us. We can't say no. Because well, it's on we, us. We can a, we can say no. I mean, I worked for a place, can, but you're still taking liability. Like I don't, I still don't. Th- if you, if you recommend to somebody, which you're seeing this in Phoenix now, right? They were they're getting kind of in hot water and all this stuff because they were telling people they don't need to go to the hospital. Well, turns out one of the guys, you know, they tell having some medical issue and it becomes serious, right? I think the guy might have passed away, so they get sued. So now there's like the state law. It's either in draft or it has been passed. It, EMS, first responders, cannot tell somebody to go to the hospital or not. So it's like you show up and be like, here's your options. Here's an ambulance. Do you want it? Which we pretty much say anyways. Yeah. Hey, you call, we haul. <laughs> you know? like We I, should I mean, just start putting that on. Yeah, dude. Ambulances yeah, 911, you call, call we, we haul. haul. Yeah. Taxi. Glorified taxi. Really expensive taxi. Well, those pay, they don't pay for it. Taxpayers pay for it. Right. But So anyways, huge problem. I don't know what's going to happen. We're, we're going to keep coming. If hospitals start calling us more to do that, then the system will break. Yeah. But it's up to people who run this ship to, you know, you've got to say no, right? Someone the guy's calling. The guy, no. let's, for example, if a guy calls and is locked out of his house and he says... I can't get into my house. I can't call locksmith because my phone's died. I, I have no medical emergency, no meds inside. But my phone only works for 911 calls, so can you guys help me out? Like, we have to say no. Yeah. We have to say no. It's not an emergency. Well, I, I think there's a, a argument to be made that, well, why not? Like, why can't you go help that person? And Because now we're getting to the point where we've, I agree with you. It's great. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not really doing anything at the moment. Sure, of course, we'll go help you out. But now we've enabled it, and it's it's become this avalanche now. It was a snowball rolling down a hill. Now it's an avalanche, and now it's people expect it. They're calling for everything. And so is the solution to kind of cherry pick and say we're going to say no to something and other things, or do you just cut it all off and say we're only going to emergencies? Well, I don't know if it – has to be binary like that i think like to me the biggest thing is like as if i'm the chief it's we're gonna take this crew out of service for a real emergency that's not good so the argument can be made okay well just break off yeah and go to that call Don't even so, you're not even detached to the call so you just break off and, and there well, is validity to that so okay what about that exactly so now we are the downstream effects of that are we are already having a hard time keeping people. We're having a almost impossible time keeping good people. So it might not seem like a big deal at the time, but the downstream effects I think are pretty big. So a possibility is, you know what? We are in the middle of something. We're going to put it in the queue and we will get to it when we get to it. I thought about this last shift as we were driving around. You take one Two or even two, maybe two person crews, you know, sit around in a pickup truck, even go around in a car. 
doing service calls. Lift assist. Oh, oh this just I'm gonna get just hold that. Holding. We're going to lift assists eventually in this All right. thing. Okay. Um but yeah, I think yeah, even having a, a two person team to go out and do community service. You know, hey, in smoke de- smoke detector installs, lockout assists, the things that that a four person suppression unit should not be doing. Right, and then you you just you have a queue of calls. So yeah. it's like if you are wanting this free service that that we can get, you're going to have to wait. Yeah, and as these calls increase that are not for nine one not emergency, you're going to wait longer. We'll still provide it, but only. To an extent, if you're willing to wait two or three hours, you know, right, you might get help. Right. So, anyways, I think we fixed it. So yeah, we solved it. You're welcome. We're going to go to India, and I am going to screw up some names. Okay, I'm throwing that out Would there. Would you like me to read? You know what? You can try. I think Pass even you're going to mess them up. Pass it over here. All right. Yeah, that's right, India. Okay, we're talking about snake bite here. An eight-year-old boy in India bit and killed a cobra after the reptile wrapped itself around his arm and sank its fangs into his skin. This eight-year-old is a savage. Fact. I would like you the to boy, read where he was from since you think you're not going to mess this up. known only as Deepak, was attacked by the snake in a remote Panderpad village in India's central Chhattisgarh region on October 31st. Deepak was playing outside his family home when the incident happened. After wrapping around his arm, the snake bit down on it, possibly exposing the boy to deadly poison. Even though he was in pain, the boy shook his arm, but the reptile held firm. The boy then decided to give the attacker a taste of its own medicine. I love it. That's good writing here. He bit into the body of the cobra, successfully killing it. He told the New Indian Express, quote, as the reptile didn't budge when I tried to shake it off, I bit it hard twice. It happened in a flash. The boy's parents rushed him to a nearby medical center where he was kept under observation. An examination of his injury found that he sustained a dry bite. This meant the cobra did not release any venom. This is fucking amazing. <laughs> Dude, I mean, think about it. Dude, so think about, I mean, the whole phrase fight fire with fire. You know, yeah. Cliche. I mean, that dude. And it's like, you can bite me, I'll bite you. Yeah, and then I'll you bite know? you again. And then this yeah. cobra didn't release the venom. That's amazing. I mean, that kid, for all intents and purposes, should be dead. A cobra was around his arm, started to bite him, and then he's like, you know what? I'm not going to try and grab a weapon. I'm not going to... Any number of, of ways that you can get that thing off you. He's going raw dog this cobra in his mouth twice. It's really impressive. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And he's eight. Can you get him on the show? Yes. He is going to be here shortly. and uh, Flying him out? Yeah, we're going to fly him out. Right. Thanks to our Patreon members. Right. Um, we can totally do that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So, Can you think of anything that, I mean, how about, remember the mountain lion in Fort Collins? Yeah. Uh, Dude fought like. 30-year-old? How about. How about the, uh, as far as we know, the video's real. I mean, this happened years ago. Remember the dude whose kangaroo was oh, his and he, dog and he, like, and he just boxed him? And, I'll, put, I'll put it up here. Yeah. Um, yeah super, that was cool, too. Super impressive. I think they both, like the kangaroo, 
you look at both their faces, and the kangaroo's like, "Did he just do it? Yeah, are you are you are you serious?" And right the now? dude's like, "Are you gonna fight back? <laughs> I just punched you. I'm ready. Okay, we're just gonna agree to go our separate. Okay, I said, uh, take my dog. And I get said, out good here. day. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Yeah, I uh, I've never had any animal encounters. Oh, have I told the story where I almost shot a golden retriever? I think that's like a huge sin, isn't it? Like you can't do that. Well, so we're uh, we're up in the mountains, and we're coming down from a fort. Can't shoot labs or golden retrievers. Well, I didn't know what it was. So <laughs> we're coming down, hiking to 14ers, my wife and I, and I see on this trail some movement, and I'm like, you know, still like kind of early-ish, and uh, it was the size of, it, it just didn't look like a dog, and we were way up there. Like I was not expecting to see that. So I pulled out my gun and I'm like, all right, if this goes down, I'm not going to have that much time to react. So I'm just going to get ready. And uh, the, the closer it got, it was obviously had the movement of a dog. And then I see two people following by. And I'm like, never mind. <laughs> Imagine being on the other side of that, like some dude shoots your dog. I'd be so, uh, I'd be so pissed. It, it would go down right there. But 100%. Then you'd, then you'd probably shoot me too. But I mean. The fuck did you shoot my dog for? 100%. Yeah, it sounds like you're a little, uh, little on edge on that 14er hike or something. Maybe you just thought out of breath and you couldn't think straight. Yeah, so the wheezes were getting to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did Kate say when you pulled out the gun? I, I think she was just like, "I'm glad he's got a plan." Yeah. You know, I mean, I just don't think you can go out into the wilderness without one. That's my. All right, so back to the snake. What What do you? What's the snake I got bite some, feel? I got okay. some snake. All right, what's the snake bite feel like? Oh, I mean, man. do you think uh, non-venomous, right? I mean, venomous, you're like, obviously can paralyze you and stuff like that and that limb and it works its way in, but I wonder what that feels like. Well, they've done it a few times on Jackass. You know, like, it doesn't look comfortable. I'll tell you that. 85% of snake bite deaths recorded in 2019 occurred in India. 85% of the deaths. <laughs> I was actually looking for a documentary to watch last night and there was the thing on alabama snake something and it was so it had a little picture of a dude with a snake and the synopsis was this is a story about some preacher's wife who she was accusing him of trying to kill her by a snake bite i oh, didn't watch it was he using snakes part of like their religious i i didn't watch it i i'd heard i think i heard it briefly about this one whenever it happened but yeah, yeah. uh there's a I was down doing a class in Broward County, and we had some Miami-Dade firefighters there, and they have, like, a snake team. Like, that's your job. You're a fireman, but, like, your job is to go out and, like, wrangle snakes. Mm, Hard pass, dude. Yeah, hard pass. Would you rather do lift assists for the rest of your life, or would you rather go wrangle snakes? Well, I mean. This is taking too long (laughs) for you to answer. Man, lift assists are getting so old. <laughs> no, I'm going to get to lift assists, I promise. Okay, you're going right. to have a lot of opportunities to talk about it. There's around 3,000 different species of snakes in the world. And in Australia, they have 140 species of land snake and around 32 species of sea snake. Could you imagine a more terrifying... In the water and then... Ooh, there's nowhere to go. And they you just move run. like this. And, yeah. Hard pass. Largest anaconda, 33 feet long, 3 feet across... And weighed 880 Three pounds. Feet? Yeah. How much? How much did it weigh? I got to show you this, dude. Did you say 880? 
Yeah, I'm going to show you it. Wow. I'll put this up. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you outrun that on land? Dude, I have no idea. How fast I mean, do they move? I'd be interested to see how fast they move on land. I'll find out for you. Oh. Yeah, dude. They I'd, were... turn in, I'd turn into Olympic sprinter in no time. But I don't know if that's fast enough either. Uh, it was on a construction site. And they killed it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, see how fast. I killed that snake when I moved into my place here. It was like four feet bull snake. Looked like an anaconda. This says twelve to eighteen miles an hour. Dude, so you gotta you can outrun it, but you gotta move. That's like, that's a full on sprint. Fact. Oof. Damn. You imagine just like nipping at the back of your heels. Nope. It's just gonna bite right into your Achilles and drop you down. Yeah, sure can't. All right. This one's gonna be this one's gonna be quick. Uh this is down in Texas. US Customs and Border Protection Officer allegedly showed a pornographic image to a group of seventh graders while giving a red ribbon week presentation at uh, a school. <laughs> so according to McAllen police, the officer had his phone hooked up to the projector at this junior high. And as he was unlocking it, boom, showed some pornography. The department said an investi- investigation is ongoing. You cannot use any of your personal stuff. Text threads, anything. It's just all. Have you ever had? I don't. Not I've like never, this. I've never looked at any porn ever in my life, ever. I mean, uh, that's clear. No, uh, never. That's obvious. I don't have it. Nothing. Correct. But have you ever uh, had something come up on a screen? It doesn't have to be. That you I weren't expecting. I, I don't know anything about it. Oh, that you weren't expecting. Like, do you, have you ever had that? Um, like when you're giving a presentation. So here's an example. My brother is a a teacher, and he was showing like a YouTube video, but you can see all of his YouTube searches <laughs> on the side because it's, it's like his personal yeah. thing. So these kids, and none of them were bad, but these kids like got a full layout of like, oh, it was like soccer videos and like this other kind of stuff um like funny tiktoks but i mean so much information was gleaned from that Mm -hmm. split second remember the story of the guy at our station that went to his room around lunchtime and was hooked up to the speaker for the workout and don't have your hook don't have your (laughs) stuff hooked up to a bluetooth at the firehouse makes for a good laugh you gotta shut it down yeah um so anyways and now he's getting an investigation you know it's like I don't know. It seems unintentional, but now when you show it accidentally to seventh graders. Yeah. So what, he's going to get, like, pedophile charges? Lose his job? Yeah, I mean. Come on. It, uh, it's everyone's dirty secret. 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States every day. Two That's f- it? 37? A day. Full videos are created a day. That's it. What do you mean? That's it. I would think that is so many amateur, professional. All these websites. I am. I would think it would be thousands a day. People are. (laughs) I mean, you have a camera in your hand. People are filming themselves all the time. So I don't. But um, no, you are clearly. Sixty-eight million search queries are related to pornography every day. Sounds about right. Two point five billion emails containing porn are sent or received every day. Uh, 40 million Americans regularly visit pornography sites, and 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. One-third of porn viewers are women. 
that is the, the the fact, the everyday facts that I found about yeah. pornography. So obviously two-thirds, two-thirds men, yeah. So but again, no one's watching it. Hmm? Nobody. Nobody Ooh. that I know, nobody that you know. But I it's everybody I, this else. This is an industry I know nothing about. It's millions of other people. I probably shouldn't even be talking on it because <laughs> I'm like, I'm else. clearly n- I don't know anything about it, so it's really I'm Correct. uneducated. On Let's it. go to Wisconsin. Okay. I love this story because of my hatred for the Packers. So I'm I'm I am putting everybody in the same basket and bear, and bear down. Yeah, you hate the Pack. I mean, I'm grew up a Bears fan too, but it's like you only hate them because they they win. Correct that ass. And they've had a Pretty quarterback forever between like? Arvin Rodgers. Who I like. And the Bears have never had a quarterback. Well. No, name one. We do have one of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time right now. But this isn't a sports podcast, okay? All right, we're going to Wisconsin. A nurse from Pierce County, Wisconsin, is charged with amputating a patient's foot without his knowledge or doctor's authorization. A nurse in western Wisconsin has been charged on two felony counts of elder abuse for allegedly amputating a hospice patient's foot without a doctor's orders or patient's consent. She then told colleagues she wanted to preserve the foot and display it at her family's taxidermy shop. This is the most Wisconsin story ever. The only thing it doesn't have is cheese. That's it. That's the only thing that's not in the story. Well, you're going to put the foot with an ankle and then put a cheese head on top of it. Uh, she wants to put it in a boot. I'll get to that. Okay. Well, I'll get to how she wants to display this. Mary Kay Brown, 38, of Duran, was working at Spring Valley Health and Rehab Center on May 27th when the incident occurred. The victim, 62, was dead by June 4th. So this happened May 27th. He was dead June 4th. Not from, I'm sure this didn't help, but he was already a hospice patient, correct? Correct. Damn. So, the victim had been admitted to Spring Valley uh, facility in March after falling at his home. Basically, this guy fell, hurt his ankle, and had no heat on in his house. So, he got frostbite on the injured foot. Okay? And that's why he was at... Um, and, and it sounds pretty gnarly, this frostbite. Because his foot was only hanging on by one tendon. Roughly two inches of skin was keeping the foot attached to the leg. Not yeah, good. It's, it's gross, right? That's that's certified gross. So a nurse who had been changing the uh, bandages on his foot the morning of the 27th said that the victim was able to wiggle his toes. So he still had movement in it, okay? This, like, dangling foot. It sounds like, disgusting. Uh, Brown told two other nurses at shift change that she was going to cut the victim's foot off for comfort. The criminal. So how did the foot get to its point now? Frostbite. Okay. So injury plus frostbite. And just hanging on. So it's before she even engaged in this act, there was it was barely hanging on, but he did have movement and all that. Correct. Okay. Sounds like a horrible situation. Okay. The other two nurses to said to leave the foot attached. Thank you. Yeah. Two other nurses for ah. <laughs> for standing. Don't go near <laughs> that. Standing up. Uh shortly after the conversation. Brown and two certified CNAs went to the victim's room. Certified. They're certified. Qualified? Certified. (laughs) Went into the victim's room to change the bandages on his feet. Rather than change the bandages, Brown cut the victim's tendon, which amputated the right foot completely. One of the nurse's assistants told the investigator, the foot was then placed in a red biohazard bag and placed in the freezer. 
The nursing assistant told the investigator that Brown said her family has a taxidermy shop where she is going to preserve the foot and put it on display with a sign saying, wear your boots, kids. She had a plan. That's not, I mean, that's not a bad plan, actually. Well, that's going to bring some people into your shop, seeing well, a human and, foot. And lesson learned, right? Learn from this guy. Well, uh, he got frostbite because he didn't have any heat in his house. So I'm assuming fell. it fell and damn near froze it. Yeah. So Dang. it's just, it's bonkers. So you maximum, You couldn't just like pay somebody to make a prosthetic foot to make it look like it, you know what I'm saying? I think serves the same lesson. You need a real human one. Well, I think she Brown's a big fan of authenticity. Yeah, I don't want to lie to people. So a hundred thousand dollar fine and up to forty years in prison for this this act. I hope if there's nothing on her record, there's no reason that the taxpayers should be putting her away for forty years. Maybe. So what do you think her punishment should be? She's got a pay for the funeral and some of the medical expenses that the family has to incur. Nah, I think you take her foot. Eye for eye for an eye, foot for a well, foot. Well, like we were saying, snake bites you, you bite it. You take someone's foot, you get your foot taken. That's where I'm at. Fair. You know? So then I got into a deep Here dive, we go. Deep time. Here we go again. Amputations in like the Civil War and the Revolutionary War. Gangster. You know, dude. so I actually got into... so. It might have been just when the, you know, the Queen of England passed away, and you know, I was looking into like the monarchy and all that, and I think it was King, it might have been King George the first. He was the first. I don't know these names. Whatever, man. Other, whatever. Yeah. We won a war, so I didn't have to. Yeah. That. So I got into a kind of a dark hole on him and his life, and how, um, you know, there was this war going on between the Parliament and all that and they eventually like overthrow him and so they're like they they charge him with treason and all that and so beheading and i'm like damn you know like actually reading this thing like that's they used to do that shit you know and they gave him like three days and so he's like saying goodbye to his kids he knows everybody knows he's dying his family knows he's dying his son knows he's dying and it's like you have three days to spend and then we're taking you you know in this Guillotine. Main, no, just the main oh. area, and you got a dude with a big ass sword and cuts his neck off, gone. But I mean, it's like it's heavy. Yeah, I was like reading, I was like, damn. Well, Talk about, and then later on, it turns out that like he did some good stuff, and I maybe I think he's more revered now than he was. He was, but I mean, talk about like traumatic as a kid, like you know, not just accidentally losing your parent. But they're gonna kill me in three days. This is all you have. He said he didn't like weep at all. He didn't cry with his kids. He, like to- was talking to them to, like be strong, stay strong. I'm like Jesus. Yeah, that's gangster. Yeah, I'd have a real problem with that. Yeah. Well, how do you think they, if you were needed something amputated in the Revolutionary War, like how do you think that they they went about sawzall. That? Uh, old school sawzall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't have those around then. No, man. Just some really, really sharp sword. No, they used like a saw, like a bone saw. God. And um, so is that like really fine tooth? Or yeah, yeah, God. yeah. And they had, I'll I'll put up a picture of the implements that they used. Mm. But did yeah. they, what were they using back then for for pain? Were they? Yeah. So in the eighteen hundreds, 
is when chloroform was found. So talking they, the chloroform that goes. Yeah. So they just put them out. So they would have like this cone they would put over their head, and then a, a rag soaked with chloroform. So it would like gradually keep them out. Um, and then I didn't know this, but they actually had morphine. Like the first opioid crisis in America was the Civil War. They had uh, the people who were like recovering from their injuries use opioids. And they obviously the same problems that we're having now they had back then. But before that, it was just booze. They would get you drunk and then they would cut your shit off. Damn. So the field amputations, uh, they were just down and dirty, like cut your limb off, tourniquet, and um, let it heal over itself. And then if they had time, they would cut skin, like triangles of skin, and then fold it over. Leave it extra, and then... Yeah. Dang. It's nuts, man. I remember an interesting story after Oklahoma City bombing of a surgeon who had to come down and do a field amputation. Somebody trapped? Yeah, with no anesthesia. Was it Aaron Ralston? Was that his name? He got his arm trapped under a boulder. Oh, yeah. Either here or Utah, yeah. And he... It was like a Swiss Army knife or something, right? Yeah. But I mean, I think at that point he had lost all oh. feeling, so he's not feeling. But it's still, it's still, you know, that to go in a twelve-hour period to go from I'm fine, I'm hiking to okay, my arm's trapped. Now I got a decision. Now, to now make, it's right? dead, and now I'm going to cut it off because I need to live. Gangster. Yeah, pretty sure it's Aaron Ralston. That was the name, Aaron Ralston, I think. If not. You're going to get yeah, I know. some serious hate for it. So let's talk about falls. They're the second leading cause of unintentional injury deaths in the world. All elderly, right? I mean, that's where a lot of them are. I would assume so. Each year, an estimated 684,000 individuals die from falls. That 80... whole fall to the ground and hit your head on the ground is bad. Yeah, I mean, it says adults over 60 years old suffer the greatest number of falls. Yeah. So I found some research that a few, because we go on lift assists every day, a couple times a day. We do a few. I would consider us experts in the field of lift assists. We are. Um, How many people is the suggested amount of lifters for a 250-pound person? Four. That's right. You know what? And. How did you? Ironically, it's perfect for a fire crew. <laughs> Send those guys. It is the the recommendation for a two hundred fifty pound person is four people. Interesting, but uh, a couple departments have done some like research stuff. London Ambulance Service being one of them found that forty percent of elderly patients so over the ages of sixty five are not transported to the hospital after. So basically, like that, forty percent of their elderly falls are all lift assists. Yeah, it's an incredible amount of people. The department that kind of put this into action was Omaha. Wait, back up. Forty percent of their falls are forty percent of their calls. Falls. Okay. So, so of fall, all, all injuries, they turn out being four out of ten are lift assists. So. Correct. Yeah. And a majority of those that aren't transported are summoned by EMS uh, again within two weeks. So. It's a frequency problem. Yeah, I mean, the, I would say it's only a matter of time. The, the frequent 
flyers we've seen for lift assist, you know, at the elderly care or, or you know, assisted living or whatever, the, the more they fall, it's, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before something bigger happens. Yeah, so Omaha does a $400 fee. I'm 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 listening now. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, they uh they've instituted a Omaha Fire Department. Yeah. Go on. Um so basically this is for their healthcare facilities. So not that's, in That's fair. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. What about just like elderly community housing? Uh like a retirement home. Yeah. Uh, I this would fall under that $400 fee would fall under that. They don't provide. Well, okay. Um, there was a significant reduction in 911 lift assist calls from healthcare facilities after they implemented this fee. I know it's been written into a some sort of a law for us. But those are nursing they, homes. If they can get fined, but yeah, I mean, I think it should be anytime you have healthcare personnel on scene and a large number of them, they need to be able to handle that themselves. Yeah, and. I was trying to find out how many, it's, it's, it seems like it's pretty hard to quantify how many injuries lift assists cause to healthcare workers. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we know people who've gone out for backs because of lift assists. Here's a story. I love it. So, man, I'll never forget this call because it did fuck my back up for a while. And I was 25 at the time. My back was great. Doesn't feel like it does now. At I'm 38 right now, so you are 40. You just turned 40. Oh, no, I think I'm 38. Closer to death now than ever. <laughs> <laughs> so we go on this lift assist. You know, it's one of those ones where you got to call in two crews. So you need two crews because if it takes four people, you said to what lift? 250 pounds. Right. So now we're so we needed we need a double, and there you go. Good math. Okay. This person had surgery on their knee. Football injury or running? Was it a well? Ironically, box jumps. I, I like the fact that you mentioned running because I'm. This is great. So, this person was given money and a place to stay on the first floor of a hotel to recover. On a motel, you know, just walk right in, walk right out, wheel right in, wheel right out. But they decided that it was better that they wanted to go home to their fourth story apartment. Well, when they got transported there the elevator was broken so the private company called us in in so there was actually not eight people ten people good math yep and so we had to carry this person up three floors of stairs and down a long hallway on what you would call a mansack a mega mover basically a tarp with handles right yeah but since this particular person was so wide you couldn't um kind of use your legs each one of us was pinned against the outside wall of the hallway only able to bend at the waist with straight legs so we're basically doing like rdls we're doing like straight legged deadlifts holding and shuffling down the hallway i mean it was a workout and two of us hurt our backs now, you talked about running, right? Yeah. So we talked to this person. So how are you going to get out in the fire? Oh, I'll just jump out the window. Completely serious. After we had moved this person three flights of stairs and down, you know, 200-foot hallway. Ooh, man. That was not a joke. I she told, was joking. I've told people. That person was joking. I've told people that 
if we if there's a fire in here, there's no die. way we're going to get you you're out. Gonna you're going to die in here. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's true. I mean, if you are, what's the largest? I think it's, I think it's pretty. On, I, I think it's really selfish when you have an option. You want to go to your home so bad that you have an option to like stay on a first floor, but yet you're okay with ten people like almost injuring themselves to get you where you want to go Listen, temporarily. I would want to do the same thing. I would want to go to my home to recover, but. If you have made choices throughout your life that have led you to this point, th- that is no longer an option. For yeah, you. you lose that right. Yeah, privilege to go to if that's where give you and live. take for everything. Yeah, what's the largest person you've ever run on? It probably was that person. Yeah, I mean, it was over five hundred pounds. I think the five to six hundred pound mark is the. That's tough, man. At eight bills. Whoa. Eight hundred pounder. Yeah, it was, un- it was unbelievable. I like. I just. Uh, it was an incredible sight to see. Uh, for a medical thing, or just yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, tough. I mean, th- I think anytime you run those calls, you what goes through my head is is like, how did it get to this point? You, you know, want to want to know the I've story. Asked people, like, that. when did this start? Did it start at age eight, or yeah. did it start at like twenty eight? Did it? I had a four hundred pounder that uh, oh, we're in his room. And I'm looking around, and there's all these photos of someone who played for um, a D1 football team. And I was like, who's this guy? He's like, that was me. And I'm like, well, hey, man. And we were waiting. What were we waiting for? We were waiting for a bariatric uh, unit to come. Um, And these bariatric ambulances, uh, where I used to work, had a winch. And so a ramp would come down, and then it would winch the... um, stretcher into the ambulance so we're waiting for there so we're like there for like a half hour and i'm like hey man if you don't mind i'd love to i'd love to know like what happened and he said that he was playing for this d1 football team and the draft stuff started to happen i don't really know how that works but i guess you get contacted by an agent saying hey that these teams want to look for you that's what he told me you know he thought that that's the route he was going to take, and then his mom got sick. So he moved from – he left school, moved home, and then after his mom passed away, he's like, I just lost it, man. Like, I I used food as a crutch. And I'm just like, whoa, dude. That We're talking maybe a few years to put on that much weight. He yeah. wasn't a small guy to begin with, right? He yeah. was a lineman, but – He was already – I'm sure his diet was already consuming a lot of calories, just as – you know what he was doing in life, totally. playing football. Is it was nuts, man. It was it was it was interesting. Yeah, I think it just gets away from people, and it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. The older you get, and the bigger you get, to rein it back in. Right. You have to have a, a healthy relationship with food. You know. Um, yeah, so everything in moderation. Yeah. You know. I found what I think might be a, a game changer in the lift assist. I'm going to show this to you. I'll put it up for uh, the Patreon or for our YouTube. Just hit play on that. It's basically this chair that does the lift assist for you. This is called the Razor. Lift up by Razor. Yeah. All right. So you get it. You got to bend their knees, and then it all connects together. And then it like lifts itself up to get them in a seated position. Technology will fix. How much can this lift? It's a good question. Because 
on that video, that person looks fairly fit. They almost look like an Olympic athlete. <laughs> like all like all the people here on. <laughs> right. Well, pretty sure that's not coming to a to a fire station near me. No, so, no, 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 no. So it's much cheaper to hire two new FTEs than it is to <laughs> purchase yeah, a couple of those. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, on to more lift assists. On to more lift assists. 